This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Iron. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is... This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. All right, guys, welcome back to the Established the Past podcast, presented by Touch Points and our friends at Blue Wire. I'm your host, Blake Lovell. With me is my co-host, Dylan Reagan. And uh, if you hear that pep in my voice, Dylan, um, <laughs> it is because I think you still, I think you're still the, the winner of our uh, our regular season picks. I could yes. be wrong, but uh, at least I get to uh, when it matters here, because uh, the Bucks and the Chiefs are going to meet. In the Super Bowl, and uh, as we laughed about on the previous episode of the podcast, uh, you and I, for the first time this season, which made sense because there was less games, uh, we went in opposite directions, and uh, it played out uh, in my favor. Luckily, I will say, Dylan, because I'm not going to lie, I placed the biggest bet of my young gambling career (laughs) on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus four. Uh, Somehow that line got pushed to plus four, and um, you know, I still pretty good there in the third quarter, but uh, when that fourth quarter started rolling around and the Bucks could do absolutely nothing right, uh, I started thinking, uh-oh, uh, here we go. But uh, two good games, uh, the first one more so a little bit than the second one, but at least in the second mm-hmm. one, uh, you got to see some uh, magic on display because uh, the Chiefs were, were pretty good in that one, too. Yeah, I'm the saints of prognosticators, I guess, uh, in terms of <laughs> regular season success is my thing. But, yeah, I believe now in the playoffs we're, we're tied up, so we'll see – uh, when we get to the Super Bowl, if, if we're going to just pick the same or if one of us is going to have the, the official title on the line, we'll have to yep. figure that out in the, in the next couple of weeks. But, no, yeah, it's the uh, first game, definitely more, way more drama. The Chiefs just, I mean, we've been kind of, you know, we talked about this, how they've had all these close wins and we've been waiting for them to play a, a complete game. Well, here it was. I mean, it, even the 14-point uh, difference really didn't reflect how soundly the Chiefs beat the Bills. The Bills uh, you know, they, it really looked like maybe they peaked in December because this was not uh, their best game. But at the wrong time, I don't think it mattered though how well the Chiefs were, or how well the Bills were going to play. The Chiefs, man, were just too good. On the flip side, for the Bucks, Packers, that I, I mean, I guess you at least felt like you were probably going to cover there as the uh, yes, <laughs> Packers. true. Had that come back with your four point uh, spread on the bet. Uh, obviously, as we'll get into this, a lot of opportunities for the Packers, um, and just you know. Kind of, we talked about this previously. Those the minutes starting, starting uh, end of the first half and starting the second half. The first, uh, those four minutes, uh, or uh, on each side, so eight total minutes can really decide games. And the Tampa Bay, 
obviously winning that that time frame 14 to 0 had a pretty big uh pretty big impact on the outcome of that game. Well, my my thought process was when it got to 31-23 in the fourth quarter, I'm thinking, all right, Packers are going to score a touchdown here. They're going to get the two-point conversion. We're going to get overtime. The Packers are going to score a touchdown and win this thing by six. Um, <laughs> that that was my my worst fear as a gambler uh, on Sunday. But uh, let's start with that game, the Bucks and the Packers. Like you said, it was one that uh, was really decided by a couple of big plays, and um, it's what allowed the Bucks to to hold on to the win because I, I do think late in that game, as you're seeing it play out, it's like, uh-oh. Like Packers started to have all the momentum. Uh, Brady threw the interceptions, which I think one of them could probably, uh, you know, look at him and, and say, okay, that, that pass may be a little bit too high uh, mm-hmm. on the others. Uh, not necessarily his fault, but, uh, man, this was this was an interesting game because, you know, the Bucks got off to such a good start uh, right off the bat where you had them drive down, you know, in the first quarter, and then there's really not a whole lot that happens until that big play uh, from Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, early in the second quarter. And really from there, I mean, it was for a long time in this game, like it was the Bucks, pretty much, you know, being able to capitalize. But I'll say, I'll say this, Dylan, uh, you talk about your prognostications here. We're going to give you a pass for missing these two games because you said going into the season, uh, and we even talked about it last season, the Bucks defense is the one thing that we could talk about Tom Brady and yeah. this offense all we want. But, like, their defense is going to be the key to whether they can actually get to a Super Bowl and I, they did it again here. Like they, you know, by no means were they perfect, but you think that they played without um, Antoine Winfield. He didn't play. Uh, and then you have, was it Jordan Whitehead, mm-hmm. I think, got hurt yeah. late mm-hmm. in the game. Um, and so to have, you know, two safeties like that not even really factor in, which, you know, Whitehead played a good chunk of the game, but um, that that's still significant. I thought the way that they got pressure – um, it was just, man, the offense, again, was pretty good here. It wasn't perfect, but it was pretty good. But the defense put them in a lot of positions, and obviously the defense is going to play a big role too once we get to the Super Bowl against uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the offense, as you're mentioning, got rolling early, but obviously in the second half they didn't do much. But even those last couple of uh, touchdown drives uh, that, that they had before their, their field goal by suck-up later in the second half were set up by the defense. One, the, the touchdown before the half, obviously the – interception that whether it was holding or not Packer fans will argue yeah. that it was on that pick and then obviously that crazy touchdown great play by the offense but nonetheless if they don't force that turnover at the very least it's uh, 14 to 10 Tampa going to the half if Green Bay doesn't at least get a field goal uh, going down the other direction um, and then obviously the Whitehead forcing the, the fumble uh, on the play that he injured his shoulder we'll see what his availability over the next couple of weeks that extra week sure helps a lot for both teams even though uh, we'll, we'll cut to Eric Fisher. It sounds like he's going to be out for sure with his uh, Achilles. But nonetheless, uh, Tampa couldn't be more impressed with the guys that stepped up in the secondary. Their safety is obviously not having both of them for that whole second half. And, yeah, they Green Bay's defense, to their credit, some really, really ugly plays in the first half. Just so many third and long conversions. I was yelling, you know, about <laughs> – and it kind of was the same case at certain points in the Saints game. The Bucks just kept running for like one yard on first down. Yeah. Just not really take – later in the game, we kind of saw them pass a bit more on early downs. They just kept getting into these tough situations, but they found a way to do it. Obviously, Tom Brady's amazing, but his weapons and that offensive line for Tampa also stepped up in a big way, and that's going to be one of the big focuses as we get to the next game in terms of how much pressure you can get on Tom. Obviously, he's 
is making these uh, decisions and sees everything so well so quickly that especially, yeah, that first drive was a thing of beauty from Tampa. They had some other missed opportunities, some, you know, as much as Green Bay was really in it at the end, obviously some little tiny factors, obviously that you're saying those interceptions could not necessarily all his fault, and that's true, and he throws like <laughs> just a millimeter lower uh, to Mike Evans and uh, probably doesn't bounce off his hands too. We've seen this with <laughs> Super Bowls for Tom. He's won some crazy Super Bowls. He's lost crazy Super Bowls on little bounces. I think of the Wes Welker drop in Super Bowl 46 kind of looked like that one. And uh, the Packers just couldn't take advantage of the situation. They Their defense, to their again, to their credit, put the offense on the field with a chance to, to take uh, the lead with a touchdown twice, and they couldn't do it. And that's only after the Packers have you know, the, the drop on uh, the touchdown that would have tied the game in the first half from Devontae Adams, uh, some other little just missed plays from Green Bay that, I mean, I, I know it's not uh, the, in terms of just the drama of that loss to the Seahawks six years ago and how heartbreaking that was where they, were, you know, had that game in the bag up by nine with like four and a half minutes left with the ball and found a way to lose. This isn't quite like that, but in terms of <laughs> missed opportunity, uh, I feel like it has to be right there because, they had, even with all the issues as we've talked about with Rodgers and his playoff losses at the defense, they still gave up 31 points, but <laughs> their offense didn't really help with a couple of the turnovers they had. Um, and then or, uh, and then also the um, just not taking advantage of uh, chances at the end of the game. I, I feel like they got a little bit on those two three and outs after the picks by the Bucks, a little bit out of character in terms of, uh, trying to just go back to what we've seen from Rodgers for so many years when McCarthy was the coach, where it's just here, buckle up, here you go, try to go win this game right now. Um, and, and they got a little bit out of the scheme and things that had made them so successful. Obviously, Tampa's run defense is so good that you're not going to really be able to run the ball effectively anyway. But they'd started to figure out some interesting run plays. We've seen the Packers run sweeps and that with very little success at certain points this year. But they saw an in, 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 interesting indicator, I feel like, from Tampa in terms of in the first matchup they faced each other in week six, they'd have condensed sets and uh, their formations. And Tampa really took advantage with a lot of nickel blitzes and different things like that. They tried to do it again, and Green Bay ran right around them and, and completely – I thought it was a great game plan, but nonetheless, they didn't really stick with the run. I, I, by the end of the game, they only run the ball uh, under 20 times, I believe. If you take out, yeah, 16 runs, it's just not – I know the Aaron Jones injury impacts you a bit, but they – I mean, they weren't <laughs> terrible uh, average of four yards per carry. It wasn't like they hadn't started to figure something out on that side. Uh, just – it's just if you're a Packer fan, I mean, it's it got to, it has to feel like a missed opportunity. And for Tampa, as you kind of said, though, the defense, even with the injuries and different guys out – that was the one thing that it's not like Brady just there's I saw memes about Brady is like, oh, what what team am I going to pick to make the Super Bowl this year? We talked about it on this podcast that, that it was Indianapolis and Tampa Bay were clearly in our minds, at least for me, and I believe you as well, from what I remember, the two best places for any one of these quarterbacks to end up in terms of the, the weapons they had and the defense they had in place. Tampa Bay's defense has even taken to another level. And. Uh, here you are, get them back in the Super Bowl after not even making the playoffs for over a decade. Yeah, I think we said it. Like, before the Bucks were even getting mentioned, we said, look, I don't, we don't know if this is going to happen at all, but if you just talk about pure weapons, like, they are the top choice, you would think, for someone as a quarterback, uh, given that they had Goblin and Evans and all those guys. So, uh, I, yeah, I mean, we, we said it, but the defense had to be the thing that kind of helped 
propel them forward or else it wouldn't matter who they had on offense. So they've done that. They, they did that uh, for sure. All right, three things coming out of this game, and uh, we don't have to spend a ton of time on them, but uh, we're going to go through them, each of them real quickly. Uh, the decision to kick the field goal uh, with uh, 209 left, <laughs> I, I, was, I thought I, as soon as they did it, I said, I don't think this is the right idea. Um, I just thought at that time, Look, if you've got – I'm not going to call – I'm not going to put any name in here, but if you have someone not named Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady <laughs> or Mahomes or someone like that, I, I get it. But, man, you're at home in a playoff game. I, I just thought they should have went for it on that. I, I Look, I understand it. You can yeah. all, We're sitting at home. like we, we don't have to make those decisions in a span of 45 seconds. Um, but initially, like my thought was they're going for this, right? Because I just don't think – the only, only way I looked at it was – the Packers did have all the momentum at that point. And so maybe you're thinking, okay, if we kick this, we still feel like we're going to have an opportunity. Yeah. But like 309 left, 409 left, I'm in a much different headspace probably. But with that little time left and Aaron Rodgers under center, man, I just think they, they should have went for it. Yeah, it's a number of little things that piled up to that moment that I think about just as much. It's the the missed touchdown that Devontae should have had on oh, yeah. on the first on the, in the first half. Obviously, on the third down play where Devontae catches it out of bounds, they have Lazard coming wide open <laughs> right over the right in front of him. I, I think about that moment, those three pass plays. It was the same exact thing that happened here: three pass plays and all incomplete. Uh, I just couldn't. Uh, again, we talk about running early downs isn't necessarily the way to go, but. In the red zone, it is it can be an efficient call depending on the set you get. Tampa Bay was sitting back on some a couple of these moments. They weren't blitzing a ton of guys, so it's not like the Packers couldn't have run, tried running a couple times. I think about that. I think about the drop by St. Brown on the two-point conversion. Then it's only a six-point game here. You're for sure going for it, uh, assuming Tampa kicks the field goal and doesn't try to go for it on that field goal uh, drive. But that two-point conversion by the Packers, I know it got maybe tipped a little bit, but St. Brown should have caught that. And it's just those little things that added up. It's not. It's Aaron not running on third down to at least maybe he doesn't mm-hmm. score when yeah. he has that open to the side. But if he gets to, like, the four-yard line, maybe they go for it. So there's all these little moments that make me – I mean, I would have gone for it, especially with Rodgers, but Tampa Bay could have just – they were getting pressure uh, on, on the Packers. The Packers should have been holding a lot more because they weren't calling anything on the front. Uh, you look at the, the game-winning pass interference call that the, the Bucks got. On that play, Wirfs is definitely holding the uh, a right tackle on that play. There's a ton of misholding calls throughout the, the game on offensive alignment on both sides. I don't know why Green Bay wasn't doing that necessarily, but – uh, anyway, on that play, they're not, they were get, getting pressure regardless without that many rushers on Aaron. Uh, so, I mean, I get it. And you're still going to have to get a stop, I guess. Like, even if you do tie the game, Tampa still gets the ball with two minutes with Tom Brady with a chance to go yeah. win the game. Maybe you think they'll be a little less uh, aggressive with the five-point lead. Uh, I thought it was a little – but it was also risky because, I mean, I, <laughs> I, was, I looked at it. It was like 2.05 after the kick went in. And I'm like, well, Tampa Bay – unless you kick it through the end zone, which they hadn't been able to the whole game from Green Bay's side, Tampa Bay should have been able to run that clock down under right. two minutes. And then they, the, the guy falls down. <laughs> yeah. right With 2.02 or something, yeah. Yeah, so, all I mean, it's just the, the moments that led up to them having that uh, the longer fourth down that I think of just as much as that decision. That decision, uh, again, I probably would go for it, as Aaron kind of said, it wasn't his call after the game. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think it's as egregious as some of the field goals that we're going to talk about in the next game. <laughs> yes, that that is true. Um, all right, the other play in this game, um, the, the defensive pass interference um, at the end where – 
you know, I think a lot of people were saying, okay, that shouldn't be a flag, ball's uncatchable, all of these different things. Um, but uh, I, th- there was certainly a lot of reaction to uh, that one that, that ultimately clinches the game there uh, where Brady made the pass to, what is it, was it Tyler Johnson, I think was, I'm uh-huh. not sure, yeah, I think it was Tyler Johnson. Um, so that was pretty much it. I know a lot of people talked about that play. Um, your thoughts, because uh, I – I mean, look, it's the replay, like, you look at that, like, it's clear as day. You look at the jersey and all this stuff. Like, I get it. But um, I also can understand the frustrations with, well, there were certainly some plays early in the game. You talked about specific ones. I I think of the one with with Al Lazard, some of the others, um, where it's like, okay, well, those weren't called. I mean, you know, missed calls happen in the span of a game. We know that. If we went back and watched Mm -hmm. every single play in a game, we could certainly identify probably a handful of missed calls. Uh, But uh, I know that's one, too, that, that everyone is certainly having a discussion about. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I I tweet. I don't really tweet as often as uh, many people in sports media, but I, I was like, <laughs> after all the calls that didn't call, they're gonna blow the whistle on this one. It just that, I, there was. I, I forget who tweeted it. I wish I had uh, kept this one down, but some there was someone that tweeted, "This is the problem with not enforcing the rules throughout the game. Is the yeah. players think that there's a new set of rules, and then when you <laughs> switch it back, it just causes an issue. They should." Like, I'm all for refs not being a part of the game, but they became a part of this game for large portions because of them just not calling egregious, as I mentioned. A lot of them were at the line of scrimmage, not even the, the missed holds that we also saw down the field when the Packers had the balls. You could argue with Tampa Bay as well. Tanyan got tackled at one point in the end zone on one of these. I forgot which play it was. There's so many examples of that, but there were just tons of holds in the backfield that weren't being called. And as I mentioned on that PI call, it, I, Worf's, I mean, if I was I was watching it immediately, and I thought maybe the flag, or I thought there'd be a flag down in the backfield from from Worf's holding on a, a right tackle on that same play, uh, it doesn't get called, but you, then you call this one. It's just uh, that's the issue with, for me. I mean, if if they've been calling them the whole game, then it's there's no reason to be upset. But uh, the players in the secondary over the course of the game clearly caught on on both sides. You saw Tampa doing it again as well. Uh, that they weren't calling these things, and they're starting to take advantage of it. Then at one moment you're going to enforce it. It just doesn't seem like I, I don't. I didn't really like the, the idea that they should uh, let the players play completely. I think you have rules for a reason, and <laughs> uh, it ended up having a pretty big impact. Who knows? The game still might have gone Tampa Bay's way if it was officiated differently. But it just it's frustrating to see. <laughs> Uh, for the players especially, I'm sure that, you know, they, like, even Aaron, who's, like, he, they can all acknowledge that it could be a flag, and you see the obvious the jersey grab, but how much did he impede his progress? And then given what we've seen from throughout the game, it just didn't seem like something that would have been flagged earlier in the first half, really. Yeah, um, lots of frustration, lots of reasons for frustration, probably, if you're a Packers fan. Uh, you had plenty to choose from in that game, and that's not what you wanted uh, heading into a situation where most people thought that they were going to be in the Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of frustration there, and I'm sure uh, leads to a very interesting offseason in terms of uh, one Aaron Rodgers and uh, maybe what uh, what's next uh, for him here moving forward as well as the Packers. But uh, that takes us to... The other game, which was the Chiefs getting the 38-24 to win against the Buffalo Bills. Um, you mentioned it earlier. Bills just really, you know, did not play well here. I think even, you know, even early in the game, like that score is so deceiving because mm-hmm. you had the McCole Hardman uh, fumble and, you know, the Bills quickly capitalized on that. Uh, only needed a couple yards to do it. But really, aside from that, 
this entire game was pretty much controlled by the Chiefs. Uh, I didn't think Josh Allen played very well. I didn't think the Bills had any run games to speak of outside of Josh Allen. Uh, You know, Zach Moss is out injured, but Devin Singletary, I don't know, man. Like last year Mm -hmm. we were talking about this guy, and it was just like, oh, this is like all the things, and it's like, I don't know what it is, but it's just, man, he just has not played well um, here, and and certainly they needed him to step up and play well in this game. T.J. Yeldon was more of a factor than he was here, it seemed like. Um, This was just one where I think for the Bills – their offense did not play up to the level that you expected from from them, but the Chiefs' offense did, and that was the problem. Is that it wouldn't have mattered how good the Bills were. I think even on defense, like they they were not stopping this Chiefs team. They were not stopping Tyreek no. Hill. They were not stopping Travis Kelsey. Those two guys alone pretty much controlled this entire game. Um, once again, both of them go for over 100 yards. Tyreek Hill goes for 172. Travis Kelsey two touchdowns. I thought that was the betting lock of the day was to uh, take Travis Kelsey any touchdown <laughs> period, take him for double-digit receptions because uh, the Bills have not been great against tight ends anyways when you look at the stats. Yeah. So this was a game, again, I there's really not a whole lot to say because I just thought the Bills didn't play great. Uh, the Chiefs did play great. Uh, for all the talk about Mahomes' injuries and everything, non-factor here. This guy yeah. was as good as ever. And uh, there's a reason why the Chiefs are defending champions, and there's a reason they're going to be the favorites in the Super Bowl, even though it's played in Tampa, uh, because they are just on another level uh, when this offense is is the way it was in this game. Yeah, they're a machine, man. It's almost like they got bored during the season or something. Like, they they just needed needed a little bit more on the line. Obviously, that almost fell apart last week against the the Browns, but – I don't know. I, I feel like they, they they clicked. They found something. Obviously, they, they matched up pretty well with Buffalo. Um, last time they faced, they were content to run as Buffalo let them, and they had success this time. It didn't matter what, whatever Buffalo did on defense. The, the Chiefs are just firing on all cylinders. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny because that 9-0 deficit evaporated just in moments because, I mean, the Chiefs just – the Bills were struggling so much just to get, like, uh, you know, to third and short, let alone convert. And meanwhile, the Chiefs are just getting 40, 50 yards like it's nothing on some of these uh, great design plays. But even plays that aren't supposed to go for that much, the the, the play that Tyree Kill jokingly apologized to, uh, to Andy Reid for not scoring on his 70-yard reception was just a, a quick slant. And then the, the, the Bills yeah. all forget how to tackle. Not really their fault because they're trying to make sure he doesn't get by them. But by doing that, I mean, we've seen Tyree Kill with one of the the most insane touchdowns I can remember ever was the one at the end of a first half a few years ago against the Cowboys. They had everyone sitting back and they're all just waiting for him. And he somehow weaves through them all. It's just, it seems like I was watching that again. Um, And there's too much talent, too too many guys that I, this is what I get for letting my, my heart uh, be part of my prediction here. That's obviously I wasn't putting any money on the pills (laughs) for a reason, Uh, just more hopeful than anything because they needed to play how, how we'd seen them, you know, on offense, for much of December, much of this run where they, you know, outside of the Kyler Murray, uh, Hail Mary, they'd won 11 games in a row outside of that. Uh, they just offensively, yeah, we're not in tune. I think the Chiefs, I mean, credit to the Chiefs when we talked about, they are a bad matchup for Buffalo because they can't run the ball. We, the, I know we're talking about the running backs, but Buffalo's offensive line, for how great it's been uh, with uh, pass blocking, Josh Allen does help them out. Uh, with his mobility, they have not been a good run blocking unit. There was nothing going on some of those plays and for much of the season. And that's just a, a thing you need to have against the Chiefs, uh, as we've seen throughout the, the last couple of years. Their secondary, uh, their past defense DVOA is 
uh, around the top 10. They're not a bad pass defense if you can't run the ball. Um, it's just not going to work. They, the defense really complements the style of play they have on offense, which is easy for a lot of defenses when you have an offense that good. But they literally have built this team knowing that teams are going to have to be throwing to, to catch up to them. They understand and they're willing to let small gains on the ground happen. It, it can bite them against some teams, as we've seen in the, uh, early in the game last year in the AFC title game against the Titans and other opponents that when the Patriots beat them in the AFC title game a couple years ago, that was a running clinic. It can bite them, but overall, I just think they've even become more fine-tuned, more aggressive. They, the amount of pressure they were getting on, on Allen, uh, not even just when they're blitzing, but along with the blitz packages, it was just it was amazing to see. They looked unbeatable. Uh, there's no, I don't think any team in the NFL, I know <laughs> Tom Brady is not a guy you want to bet against in any game, but I don't think anyone yesterday was going to beat the Chiefs on that field. They played the best game we've seen from them all year. That, uh, outside of maybe the game when they beat the Ravens in week three, uh, and then they got bored, like I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I think they were just waiting for this moment, yeah. knowing you know they're going to be here. Now the injury, obviously, as we mentioned, the Fisher, they've been without Schwartz for a while, they, without their tackles. It's going to be interesting because Tampa, as we just saw against Green Bay, what they did when they're without Bakhtiari in there, we finally we finally saw Bakhtiari's uh, you know, absence really impact the Packers. Uh, that is going to be a storyline, but Mahomes, man, he – He's not like Josh Allen when he sees pressure. This does apply also to Aaron in terms of what Aaron Rodgers can do with pressure. But Mahomes is just on a different level with what he's, how he sees the field at this point. As he talked about, and we said, we kind of talked about this quote uh, months and months ago now, where it's really scary when Mahomes is like, I'm just learning to, to read defenses. And we saw some of these <laughs> zone defenses that he's throwing guys open. There's the one play. Uh, uh, it sticks out uh, from the angle from the, op- uh, the behind end zone. It's Travis Kelsey coming across, and he throws the ball when he's probably like five yards to the right uh, for, from Mahomes' view of the linebacker, and then he ends up catching it a few yards to the left. It's just, man, it's going to be <laughs> – I know it's Tom Brady, and I know it's the Bucks, and we're going to have a lot of time to talk about that game, but the Chiefs looked like – uh, there's a reason that you know no team has repeated since the Patriots did it. Uh, you know now 16 years ago with Super Bowl 39, coincidentally against Andy Reid. But uh, there's a reason for that. The Chiefs are not just any team. This is, I mean, they're one offsides as uh, from D Ford in that one 20 in that 2018 AFC title game away from going to three straight Super Bowls in his first three years. And they're only getting more fine-tuned with what they do on offense. They've only gotten scarier from that 2018 team when he first exploded onto the scene. It's, I mean, it's, I really do enjoy all these young quarterbacks. There's a lot of fun guys in the NFL, and I, I do want to talk, I do try to talk about them as much as I can because we all, we should talk about Mahomes, though, you know, in a different sphere. Those, these are a lot of great young quarterbacks. The NFL is in a great place because of them. But to really put them on Mahomes is on on his uh, stage. It's just not <laughs> maybe not fair because he's playing the game at a way that just. I mean, as, as long as you're not a fan of a rival team of the Chiefs, I don't know how you don't enjoy watching them play. It's just one of the most fun teams I can remember. They need to saw someone tweet. They need to get a nickname like the greatest show on turf. I don't know what that's <laughs> going to be, but they deserve something. They're they're beyond what those Rams teams even. <laughs> Uh, in the early 2000s, were able to do. Well, one thing we do know is they're not going to beat the Chiefs kicking field goals. And uh, for some reason, no. the Bills decided that was the <laughs> formula for success here. Um, what was it? They kicked the uh, the field goal at the end of the first half. The, what were they? Yep. At the three-yard line, I think, with 11 yeah. seconds left. Um, or even maybe a little more than that, from what I remember. Um, then they kicked the uh, 27-yard field goal. Two-yard line, yeah. Yeah, and then there was – it's just – Look, I mean, both times, like they were down, was it? They were down twelve both times, I think, when mm-hmm. they kicked the field yep. goals, and 
I mean, look, I, I just don't know how you think that's going to keep you in the game. I get it, like you're trying to – but either way, you're down two scores. And at this point, I mean, you see the Chiefs scored three touchdowns in ten minutes in the second quarter. So you pretty much know that your ability to stop the Chiefs yeah. is not great. I mean, really, it's not at all. So, I mean, there's another, you know, set we're armchair quarterback, and I get it, but uh, still – that was another one no. that really stood out and said, hey, man, if you're going to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, um, you got to score touchdowns. And I just thought, you know, relying on field goals was not going to get it done. And sure enough, um, that was not the case. And really, another one, I, I will say this. That I I ran about this every single time. I saw someone mm-hmm. do this in the regular season. We may have talked about it. I remember who it was. But was it they went for the um, – what Romo was pointing this out – when the Bills late in the game went for the oh, – I'm trying to remember the sequence where they – was it they went for the two-point conversion when all they had to do was kick the extra point and it would have made it a 16-point game, yeah. game. Someone else did that during the regular season not long ago, and I was thinking, what is the thought process here? Because if you kick the extra point, it is automatically a two-possession game. If you don't kick the extra point, it becomes a three-possession game. If you don't – like either way – I just yeah. I've never understood that. I don't know why teams do that because again, Sean McDermott was not the only one that's done this. Someone else did this, and I, I wish I could remember who it was. Um, and there's probably been more cases, but it's like I have no idea what the thought process there. When you can make it a 16 point game for two touchdowns, two point conversions, whereas mm-hmm. if you don't and you don't get it, it is automatically a three possession game. And I don't know. Maybe there's a, a three-point conversion, a four-point conversion that I just don't know about uh, <laughs> on a touchdown, but I will never understand why teams do that. So The, the only what, thing I can think of is you like you know you're eventually going to need from a 19-point deficit or whatever the, the deficit was. I guess it was 23 points when they scored, so they make it a 17-point game. I guess you know when you're down 23 that you're going to need two two-point conversions at some point. So I guess you find out quicker, or you, you know, or you get it, and you're still, you know, you make it a 15 point game. You yeah. get one of those. That's the only thing I can think of. Obviously, it's a different uh, equation though when you're really struggling to get anything <laughs> going, even from two, three yard conversions. Yeah. Um, and at that point, and just, uh, I mean, at, at the, anyway, at that point, it's like it's already a lost cause because of those other two field goals. You mentioned the how field goals and uh, and overall in the in the NFL and the football, but especially the NFL, we talk. about, uh, field goals are it's losing a losing play, but re- literally against the Chiefs, they averaged 3.75 points per drive this year. That's yeah. freaking insane. So you are literally scoring less than that <laughs> by kicking a field goal. It's uh, I, I get in certain circumstances, like the I, I thought they were going to go for it at the at the beginning of the game. Even I, I when they kicked the 54 yard or whatever it was that Bass somehow made, but. Uh, he's great. Uh, he's really coming along as a nice young kicker. But I, I didn't. I didn't get it. I didn't like the you're putting giving the Chiefs like they needed a short field. But also, it was just it was again like a fourth and three situation. I even at that point in the game, I'm thinking you need to go score touchdowns. The Bills have been one of the more aggressive teams, which made it even more disappointing when McDermott kicked those two field goals. But especially those two. I mean, yeah, the first half that one's one thing. That's just my own kind of uh, thinking uh, going through the start of that game. But the other two just inexcusable like it's not any place where sticking around isn't good enough it's not gonna it's only a matter of time we see we've seen so many times this year where teams even with big leads on the Chiefs they score three touchdowns in five minutes of real time and then it's done and it's just not gonna get it done man I I mean I hope is a you know you have Andy Reid and Bruce Arians two really 
older experience, amazing coaches, Andy Reid uh, on, a, on a different level, literally. But I do hope that like McDermott and LaFleur, I know LaFleur for some other different things in the game that aren't necessarily the decisions of field goals, but more some play calling things. Two younger coaches that I think will learn some lessons from these games uh, because it's just not going to get it done. You need to know who you're <laughs> facing and the, and the circumstances of what's happening. Uh, especially in this one for the Bills. It's just it, – <laughs> I don't know how you saw the first half from the Chiefs. They, I mean, even the plays where the Bills had good coverage calls, it didn't matter. Like, you have the Tyree kill drop on the first drive. Good for yeah. you. you got to stop. That's only because they did it to themselves. What part of that first half didn't make you think that the Chiefs were basically on pace for 50 points if they were really – I mean, they would have been had 24 points if they scored a touchdown on that first drive. So, I – I, I don't know. I don't know how you justify the field goal thing. It was, like I said, I thought that was more egregious than the LaFleur decision in the Packer game, just given that they're still going to – I know it's only a couple first downs the Bucks needed to end the game, opposed to having to go down to tie the game with a field goal if they uh, – you know, or win the game with a field goal if the Packers had tied. But it just – it seemed to me like a more of a <laughs> – like I at least could see that decision – a tad I didn't even for a second understand these two kicks by the Bills yeah me either uh we'll talk more about uh what we hope will not be a kick a field goal kicking contest <laughs> in the Super Bowl which I highly doubt between the Chiefs and the Bucks uh we will get into that uh of course we got a little time uh, to do that before the Super Bowl here in a couple weeks but uh Dylan before we wrap up quickly uh Matthew Stafford uh is as we know on the trading block seems like uh today uh thoughts reports about uh, the Colts being a potential destination which again i think you could just connect the dots and see well of course the colts mm-hmm. could be a destination because their quarterback just retired so um i mean i don't know i mean could it happen i'm sure it could the colts could certainly do a lot worse um so yeah. that that's one to keep an eye on uh, there with stafford no they definitely make sense in terms of uh destination i Obviously, it came out on Uzi the Saturday or Sunday where the Lions were going to be moving on, and he wanted to go somewhere fresh. And I mean, the Colts just kind of, as we just talked about with the with the last offseason with Brady. I mean, it, the, the the rosters that looked like the the most ready to win with all they needed was a quarterback, were the Colts and the Bucks, in my mind. Um, so. I mean, it, it makes sense for him. I know there's a plenty of other teams uh, that would like to, to have Stafford as well at this point. I think the 49ers are probably one that I would consider in this in this range. If the uh, I don't know what what's going on with the Dolphins and the, all the Deshaun Watson stuff is still a crazy thing. Now we have the quote that I think was more of a message from Aaron Rodgers to maybe to the Packers uh, management than anything when he said, talked about his, uh, him and his teammates uncertain future. So I don't think that's uh, one to really look at. I know that was kind of mentioned, but, uh, and it still is mentioned. Adam Schefter's out here tweeting that some QBs whose futures are in question and it has Aaron Rodgers listed, which is still funny to me, but um, in terms of Stafford, yeah, Indianapolis, San Francisco, those are probably for me, the two places that are the most ready to win, uh, uh, with uh, with a quality quarterback, whether Stafford, you, I guess you could have an argument about him and Jimmy G, who you'd rather have. Um, so that's that's something I know. Another guy that the Colts have uh, been kind of rumored to linked to, although it's his less certain that Wentz will be out of Philadelphia. Uh, but that's another name for Indy to follow. So yeah, it's it's crazy. There really are a lot of quarterbacks, and I know I've said the thing about Schefter's tweet with mentioning Aaron Rodgers, but there really are a lot of quarterbacks, quality quarterbacks that don't have settled futures another one Colts and Sam Darnold so there's I mean really the Colts have a lot of different choices they can make a lot of different guys that are open for Stafford's sake I think yeah San Francisco Indy those are the probably two places I'd want to go if I were him 
Yeah, Texas may need a quarterback soon, so uh, <laughs> hopefully for his sake it will not be there, depending on what happens uh, with Sean Watson. So we'll see what happens with the Texans. But uh, there you go. There's some thoughts on the uh, action from the weekend as we get ready for the Super Bowl with the Chiefs and the Bucks, and uh, the stuff with Matthew Stafford, of course, coaching stuff happening as well uh, here as uh, the Texans still need a coach. And uh, we'll talk more about that probably here in our next episode uh, this week. But uh, for now, Dylan, uh, lots of stuff over at uh, Clutch Points reacting to the action from the weekend as well as uh, everything going on in the NBA and Major League Baseball. You can read all about the fallout of these two championship games, as you mentioned, all these coaching uh, things going on, a lot of rumors with a lot of these quarterbacks. All of that's covered at clutchpoints.com in the NFL section on the site, as well as the NFL section on the Clutch Points app. You can follow the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks in the Clutch Points app. A lot of good stuff happening in there, as well as all the NBA games. MLB, really not that. It's crazy that January is flying by. We, I was just talking to uh, my girlfriend about that. January is just absolutely flying we're getting close to spring training when we have that we'll have that in the app so a lot of a lot of stuff uh, covered as well and yeah excited to break down this matchup over the next couple of weeks obviously we'll have some time though to talk more about some of the other the other 30 teams and their situations in the in the nfl uh during this kind of a down week especially without the the pro bowl happening i know they're putting some events together some virtual events but it's going to be one of the more quiet uh weeks before the uh, uh the where the pro bowl usually is and even next week with the media day being virtual it's going to be an interesting uh experience for the super bowl I think we're going to be revisiting our predictions as well here pretty soon, which uh, that should be a lot of fun uh, to go back and look at our uh, bowl predictions, our regular season predictions, all that stuff. Uh, we will go back and look at those here at some point before the Super Bowl. Also, I think we did that last year. That was that's kind of fun uh, to look back mm-hmm. on and see what we got right and mostly what we got wrong. So uh, we'll do that. Uh, and again, be sure to check out everything at Clutch Points. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, any podcast app you use. You can find us on there. And uh, thanks as always to the fine folks at Blue Wire for all that they do. And thank you as always for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time here on the Established the Past Podcast.